my friends. Faced with the countless grave threats to life present in the modern world, one could feel overwhelmed by sheer powerlessness, as though good could never be enough to triumph over evil. At such times, the people of God, and this includes every believer, is called to profess with humility and courage its faith in Jesus Christ, the word of life. The gospel of life is not simply a reflection, however new and profound, on human life. Nor is it merely a commandment aimed at raising awareness and bringing about significant changes in society. Still less is it an illusory promise of a better future. The gospel of life is something concrete and personal, for it consists in the proclamation of the very person of Jesus. Jesus made himself known to the Apostle Thomas, and in him to every person, with the words, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is also how he spoke of himself to Martha, the sister of Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is the Son, who from all eternity receives life from the Father, and who has come among men to make them sharers in this gift. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Through the words, the actions, and the very person of Jesus, man is given the possibility of knowing the complete truth concerning the value of human life. From this source, he receives in particular the capacity to accomplish this truth perfectly, that is, to accept and fulfill completely the responsibility of loving and serving, of defending and promoting human life. In Christ, the gospel of life is definitively proclaimed and fully given. This is the gospel which, already present in the revelation of the Old Testament, and indeed written in the heart of every man and woman, has echoed in every conscience from the beginning, from the time of creation itself, in such a way that despite the negative consequences of sin, it can also be known in its essential traits by human reason. As the Second Vatican Council teaches, Christ perfected revelation by fulfilling it through his whole work of making himself present and manifesting himself. Through his words and deeds, his signs and wonders, but especially through his death and the glorious resurrection from the dead and the final sending of the Spirit in truth. Moreover, he confirmed with divine testimony what Revelation proclaimed, that God is with us to free us from the darkness of sin and death and to raise us up to life eternal. Hence, with our attention fixed on the Lord Jesus, we wish to hear from him once again the words of God and meditate anew on the gospel of life. The deepest and most original meaning of this meditation on what Revelation tells us about human life was taken up by the Apostle John in the opening words of his first letter. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we saw it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. In Jesus, the word of life, God's eternal life is thus proclaimed and given. Thanks to this proclamation and gift, our physical and spiritual life, also in its earthly phase, acquires its full value and meaning. For God's eternal life is, in fact, the end to which our living in this world is directed and called. In this way, the gospel of life includes everything that human experience and reason tell us about the value of human life. Accepting it, purifying it, exalting it, and bringing it to fulfillment. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Life is always a good. The fullness of the gospel message about life was prepared for in the Old Testament, especially in the events of Exodus, the center of the Old Testament faith experience, Israel discovered the preciousness of its life in the eyes of God. When it seemed doomed to extermination because of the threat of death hanging over all its newborn males, the Lord revealed himself to Israel as its savior, with the power to ensure a future to those without hope. Israel thus comes to know clearly that its existence is not at the mercy of a pharaoh who can exploit it at his despotic whim. On the contrary, Israel's life is the object of God's gentle and intense love. Freedom from slavery meant the gift of an identity, the recognition of an indestructible dignity, and the beginning of a new history in which the discovery of God and the discovery of self go hand in hand. The Exodus was a foundational experience and a model for the future. Through it, Israel comes to learn that whenever its existence is threatened, it need only turn to God with renewed trust in order to find in him effective help. I formed you. You are my servant. Oh, Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. Thus, in coming to know the value of its own existence as a people, Israel also grows in its perception of the meaning and value of life itself. This reflection is developed more specifically in the wisdom literature, on the basis of the daily experience of the precariousness of life and awareness of the threats which assail it. Faced with the contradictions of life, faith is challenged to respond. More than anything else, it is the problem of suffering which challenges faith and puts it to the test. How can we fail to appreciate the universal anguish of man when we meditate on the book of Job? The innocent man, overwhelmed by suffering, is understandably led to wonder. Why is light given to him that is in misery and life to the bitter in soul, who long for death, but it comes not 
and dig for it more than for hidden treasures. But even when the darkness is deepest, faith points to a trusting and adoring acknowledgement of the mystery. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Revelation progressively allows the first notion of immortal life planted by the creator in the human heart to be grasped with ever greater clarity. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's mind. This is the first notion of the totality and fullness that is waiting to be manifested in love and brought to perfection by God's free gift through sharing in his eternal life. The name of Jesus has made this man strong. In the uncertainties of human life, Jesus brings life's meaning to fulfillment. The experience of the people of the covenant is renewed in the experience of all the poor who meet Jesus of Nazareth. Just as God, who loves the living, had reassured Israel in the midst of danger, so now the Son of God proclaims to all who feel threatened and hindered that their lives too are a good to which the Father's love gives meaning and value. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. With these words of the prophet Isaiah, Jesus sets forth the meaning of his own mission. All who suffer because their lives are in some way diminished, thus hear from him the good news of God's concern for them. And they know for certain that their lives too are a gift, carefully guarded and in the hands of the Father. It is above all the poor to whom Jesus speaks in his preaching and actions. The crowds of the sick and the outcasts who follow him and seek him out find in his words and actions a revelation of the great value of their lives and of how their hope of salvation is well-founded. The same thing has taken place in the church's mission from the beginning. When the church proclaims Christ as the one who went about doing good, and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, she is conscious of being the bearer of a message of salvation which resounds in all its newness precisely amid the hardships and poverty of human life. Peter cured the cripple who daily sought alms at the beautiful gate of the temple in Jerusalem, saying, I have no silver or gold, but I give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. By faith in Jesus, the author of life, life which lies abandoned and cries out for help regains self-esteem and full dignity. The words and deeds of Jesus and those of his church are not meant only for those who are sick or suffering or in some way neglected by society. On a deeper level, they affect the very meaning of every person's life in its moral and spiritual dimensions. Only those who recognize that their life is marked by the evil of sin can discover in an encounter with Jesus the Savior the truth and the authenticity of their own existence. Jesus himself says as much, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But the person who, like the rich landowner in the gospel parable, thinks that he can make his life secure by the possession of material goods alone, is deluding himself. Life is slipping away from him. And very soon, he will find himself bereft of it, without ever having appreciated its real meaning. Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? In Jesus' own life, from beginning to end, we find a singular dialectic between the experience of the uncertainty of human life and the affirmation of its value. Jesus' life is marked by uncertainty from the very moment of his birth. He is certainly accepted by the righteous who echo Mary's immediate and joyful yes. But there is also, from the start, the rejection on the part of the world which grows hostile and looks for the child in order to destroy him. A world which remains indifferent and unconcerned about the fulfillment of the mystery of this life entering the world. There was no place for them in the inn. In this contrast between threats and insecurity on the one hand and the power of God's gift on the other, there shines forth all the more clearly the glory which radiates from the house of Nazareth and from the manger at Bethlehem. This life which is born is salvation for all humanity. Life's contradictions and risks were fully accepted by Jesus. Though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty, you might become rich. The poverty of which Paul speaks is not only a stripping of divine privileges, but also a sharing in the lowliest and most vulnerable conditions of human life. Jesus lived this poverty throughout his life until the culminating moment of the cross. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. It is precisely by his death that Jesus reveals all the splendor and value of life. Inasmuch as his self-oblation on the cross becomes the source of new life for all people, In his journeying amid contradictions and in the very loss of his life, Jesus is guided by the certainty that his life is in the hands of the Father. Consequently, on the cross, he can say to him, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That is my life. Truly great must be the value of human life if the Son of God has taken it up and made it the instrument of the salvation of all humanity. Life is always a good.